This is a production of Cornell University. Yeah, uh, welcome everybody to the, the sixth week of the Cornell Turf Show this season. Uh, this is episode 11. Our guest today, Dr. Mike Fidanza of Penn State. We're going to talk about, uh, I'm sure a lot of things, but fairy ring and these uh, root drenches uh, that, that I know we're getting close to. I, but uh, as always, Frank, you're, you're going to start reviewing the weather here, and, and that's a real roller coaster. We're in for another, uh, unfortunately, another week of roller coaster weather, which is going to um, throw a wrench in the system there. But um, as always, Frank, you've, you've got uh, uh, some interesting images to start us off, uh, off for the day. Good morning. Thank you, Carl. Um, Carl and I just returned from a triumphant uh, golf shoe. Uh, experiment in North Scottsdale, Arizona at Whisper Rock. We had the pleasure of walking six miles in a circle for five hours, uh, testing golf shoes for foot joy. So Mike knows uh, firsthand the crazy stuff we do to generate data. But I thought we'd start with a funny picture. Uh, golf course superintendent posted, I think, somewhere outside a restaurant or something that spring is simply not installing but you can't have a good turf show. It, it's never a good turf show without a good dog picture, right? There's something about golf course superintendents and their dogs. And every once in a while, a dog gets in position and you just cannot resist it. Uh, a reminder, Carl, before we get to you and your BMP minute for today, that in a couple of weeks, um, we won't be here in the studio. We will be out in the field. Uh, with the GCSAANY at the links of Greystone. Uh, Tim Hahn will host us for a walk and talk. And hopefully we don't get that crap weather like those Penn State knuckleheads got the other day scouting for, scouting for annual bluegrass weevil in the snow. I, I never thought I saw something as funny as that. All right, Carl, tell us what the BMP is for today. Yeah, Frank, so we're, we're going to talk about, uh, I'm sure, some, some fungicide applications today. And anytime we talk about pesticide applications, we like to draw people's attention to this uh, ERP poster with our friends at the P2I Center, spot treatment, right? And, and identifying areas to spot treat. And, and going further on that, um, just treating only the areas that you want to treat. Um, so we can see here, we, we've tested GPS sprayer data and how that can reduce your pesticide use. Um, and we've done this at Skinny Atlas Country Club. We're hoping to do this a couple more courses with uh, Ken Rost's uh, Frost Inc. Um, sprayer. And, and we saw about 15% reduction in pesticide use using that GPS sprayer, just spraying the areas that you want to, right? Just the fairway and not having that overlap. This image I created that, that really, I think, highlights not only the, the overlap that you normally see with manually spraying, but those triangles, right? We're not spraying squares. We're, we're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole here, uh, spraying a lot of these surfaces. You can save about 15% on fairway areas, right? And that's 20 acres, 25 acres worth of product. That's a lot. And you can actually save more on greens because greens tend to be rounded. You get a lot more of that. These, these triangles, right, that you can see off in the turf. Your return on investment uh, can be very quick. If you, if you spray a lot, it's going to be quicker. You're going to save more products, save more money. So it's a really good investment from that perspective. At Skinny Atlas, we saw less than two years ROI, save time and improve turf quality, right? You're not going to have those overlap, those lines. If, if you're spraying fertilizer, you're not going to see that. Seed heads, I know people like um, not having that, that ring around the greens, getting into collars, growth regulators. Bill Kreuzer has talked a long time about keeping growth regulators off your collars if you get collar decline. A lot of great things can happen with GPS sprayers. I think of those as spot treatment. 
uh, tools and you can save a lot of money and reduce your pesticide use, pesticide risk uh, through employing them. We, we've been a re, we've been really reluctant as an industry to embrace this. And what we found up in Skinny Atlas, Carl, was that the 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 original spraying was done very slowly at high volume. Mm-hmm. And if you've got you know fairways that take you all day to spray, for example, you're going to get a really rapid return on investment just in saving time and things like that. And I think for especially what we're going to talk about with Mike today, Mister fairy ring mushroom himself you know we're going to get to the genetics of the mushroom family that mike emanates from but let's start with a couple of things first uh seeding going on in a lot of areas that got damaged superintendents posting pictures about germination uh here in these slits if you get really close into these pictures you can start to see the slits for those of you on the podcast i'm looking at a slit with a really small bentgrass seed coming up One of the other things that's critical to get going is the water, right? You don't think about this because ET is not very high and, you know, maybe it's been raining a lot, which of course we're going to show in a second, it's been raining a lot. Uh, But having that water ready to get out there and encourage establishment, you get a dry day with wind, right? We're going to be 75, 80 degrees this weekend, uh, even up here in upstate New York. Uh, And having water available to keep these greens going is going to be, Uh, critical. And even if you can't get the whole system charged, obviously being able to hand water is is better than nothing, particularly in the damaged areas. Uh, Jed Newsom at the Springfield Country Club continues to post great pictures about, uh, you know, what they're doing to get these greens recovered out there. He talked about putting uh, these little greenhouse effects, a little barrier in there, create a little humidity, to talking about how rapidly the temperature goes up uh, under these kinds of uh, remediation conditions. And so Carl, just that great picture you you sent on Slack to me this morning, one we use a lot when we submit research reports to give people a view of what the year was like, of how much out or within temperature periods we are. And boy, if this isn't a roller coaster, you know, I don't know exactly, you know, what, what can be. It's a classic example. And, you know, you're looking at, you know, well above normal and, and almost touching record max. And then well below normal, you know, from you can go from almost a record high to a record low within five days, right? So, you know, this is the signaling of a changing climate that we're going to have to get used to. And I don't know how to really adapt to it and think about what are the strategies we need to employ. It was a cooler uh, than normal week as you got closer to the water and up into Maine, it was a little bit above normal. But overall, everybody was talking about it being on pause again last week. And we're expecting a continued pause uh, for the coming week. Following a warm-up, uh, we'll be back down in the 30s and 40s by Wednesday next week. So we're going to warm up and we're going back down again. Now, the forecast, as you can see, is starting to really pick up. We're starting to push degree days because no matter what, that yellow star in the sky keeps climbing. And as it does, everything's keep, everything gets warmer and warmer. Now, uh, a lot of times what we start to talk about at this time of year with growing degree days or annual bluegrass weevil, we had Olga on, uh, Professor Kostromitska on a couple of weeks ago, and she continues to say, look at the bottom here, resist the temptation to use an adulticide before the half green, half gold timing. In New England, she's predicting last week of April, first week of May. So we still, you know, to get our 
these insecticides to be most effective on this, you know, really damaging pests. Getting that peak adult emergence is always our goal. And even the guys just a couple of days ago in Virginia, you know, they got annual bluegrass weevil chewing on bent grass down in Virginia. They're saying we're not ready yet. It's not peak yet. Yeah, you see them. You can scout. I'm sure Ben even found them in the snow the other day. But you want to see that you're getting to peak levels here. Now, from the rainfall perspective, obviously, when you look at total precip, everybody got a little bit. The closer you got to the Great Lakes, a little bit more. But you were still getting three, in some places, four inches of moisture. And looking at precip minus PET, again, widespread wet areas throughout the northeastern United States. Most people are pretty wet. You got to go all the way down to Virginia to find some uh, deficits now. And hard to say, maybe a little bit drier, uh, maybe near normal. We didn't get a firm uh, feeling on this, but I think as you go up and you get warm, you're probably likely to get some more water. And when you go down and get cool, you're likely to probably get a little bit less. Now, as we get to our guest today, the, the transition is soil temperature, right? And if you paid attention last week, we were almost in the 60s, low 60s last week, certainly in the upper 50s. And now you're hard pressed to find creeping into the low 50s again. So we've obviously slowed down, right? And so when we look at our guidance on some of these things, using soil temperature to get some of these soil-borne pathogens, right? There's two triggers here that we pay attention to for fairy, one for fairy ring, a little bit cooler, one for summer patch, a little bit warmer, right? You've got a collection of fungicides for summer patch, uh, a smaller but still big collection of fungicides uh, for fairy ring. But here's my paisan. I'm so happy to have you. And every <laughs> time you. I see a picture of your mother, it reminds me of my late mom. They looked a lot alike. Our moms would have loved each other. Oh, I'm your sure. Twitter Frank. handle, right? Your Twitter handle with, with Dino and Frank Sinatra. When I get to travel to Palm Springs, I go to some yes. of these places that these guys used to hang out. And then oh, apparently great. you were with the mushroom family for Easter and they had yeah. antipasta and mushrooms <laughs> hanging around. What a great day. You shouldn't yeah. tweet this stuff if you don't want it to be shown. I just. Oh, no, that, that's I okay. I'm a mushroom collection yeah. here. <laughs> so Mike descends from a mushroom family and we'll talk about that in a second. So here we are talking fairy rings. Let me set you up, Mike. First okay. off, this is a very strange name for a, a sort of a soil-borne issue. I'm not even sure I want to call it a pathogen because it right. doesn't really necessarily, uh, it doesn't attack the plant. So you've got all these funny terms and things where fairy rings come from. You've got something that's happening in the middle and growing out radially, right? Now, some of these things yeah. I've read can be a thousand years old can be oh, yes. miles and miles long, right? So we have this particular collection of them in turf that we've classified as type one, two, and three. And I'm so glad to be doing this in front of the world expert. So you correct me at the very end how I'm doing. So you got no, one no. that leads to hydrophobicity. That's the one that makes me nervous. You got one that makes me a little green. I don't know if that makes me nervous. And you got one with mushrooms. I don't really know what to think about that one yet. So, so again, you look at the variety of symptom types. Here's the type one, various types of hydrophobicity, probably the one that wetting agents and fungicides play into. Here's type two, the greening one. And then, of course, the one with the basidiomycetes. And again, in the yeah. bottom right, you see really interesting pictures 
uh, in the forest about this. Now, I will ask you, Mike, uh, right before we bring you on here, we saw something really fascinating at um, Saratoga National Golf Club. When we were walk, doing our walk and talk, uh, Joe Lucas showed us uh, places where the geese were preferentially feeding, the birds and were preferentially feeding on the fairy rings themselves. Uh, you can see some of the, let me, let me see, you can see the debris. Well, this is, this is goose, this is goose poop here, but here yeah. you can see the plants chewed off. And this is the remnants uh, of a fairy ring. Have you ever seen this before? No, no, I have not. You might've stumbled on some kind of um, biological control. Maybe they like the mush the taste of mushrooms. I've not seen that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's definitely got type one out there. Now, listen, before I bring you in, what a great publication. I spent, you know, prepping for this while I was in the airplane yesterday, flying back. I was oh, reading geez. and catching up on this. This was a really interesting paper that most people would say is, you know, very geeky. What do you need an index for? But what right. I really like is, you know, you set up how to evaluate it and study it. And it looks like when I read some other things that you write, you really like this early curative three-step plan. Airfy, right? To get the yes. water in, right? Yes. Uh, water, wetting agent, and fungicide. Water, yes. you know, wetting agent and fungicide. You feel really strongly about this. So listen, let me bring you in. Stop looking at slides. That's Do I care <laughs> what type I've got? Do I care what kind of fun, uh, fairy ring I've got? Because you got a lot of organisms causing this malady. Do I have to worry about what I've got to determine how I'm going to control it or do the strategy or manage it, so to speak? Yeah. Do the strategies all work across the board? Am I right on the type one versus type two and type three? Right. I, I think you're correct on that because they're over documented over 60 basidiomycete species that cause these visual fairy ring symptoms in turf. Wow. I don't think we can get hung up on, is it like a perdon? Is it marasmius? Uh, I think right now we, we have to look at um, the, the visual symptoms, type one, type two, type three. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, when you see the mushrooms popping up and that's kind of cool to see, you look at the mushrooms and we can identify the organism, the exact species by the, by the mushroom, by the fruiting body. A lot of times the mushrooms to me indicate that that fungus is present, keep an eye on those sites because uh, later on in the year, those sites can dry out very, very, they could be a, like an indicator site. It could dry out first under wilt stress, drought stress. Um, that paper you mentioned, by the way, is uh, with my colleague, uh, Dr. Henry Wetzel and Dr. Derek Settle. We, the three of us came up with a way to, to, to provide an index number for ferrying to make it not easier, but um, more manageable when we're conducting ferrying uh, research trials. Because as you said, the fungus, the basidiomycete colonizes the thatch and organic matter in the root zone. It's not infecting the turf directly like Pythium or Rhizactonia would. So to get back to your point, um, the, uh, uh, the, the control of a fairy ring, is, I think it's, in my opinion, it's all the same no matter what basidiomycete species you're dealing with. I, I like the agronomic approach to this. In other, in other words, get air, air in the root zone um, mit mitigate or minimize those wet dry cycles in the zone. Um, I like the, the uh, wetting agent to help with turf recovery and, and to combat the hydrophobic conditions that often occur. And, and then as the basidiomycete breaks down that organic matter, oftentimes you'll get a release of the ammonium that builds up, which is causing these dead necrotic zones. 
So it's almost like the superintendent guys got to wear their agronomic hat to recover this. You're not going to squirt some magical fungicide and everything's going to recover. Um, and then the fungicide piece, uh, you got to have that, in my opinion, with the wetting agent to get it uniformly distributed and, and dispersed uh, to the target area. And, and so this is a classic example of Carl's BMP of spot treatment. In other yes. words, if you had fairy rain, uh, maybe on a couple of putting greens, you wouldn't douse all 18 greens. You'd go to those areas, air fi, wetting agent, fungicide, drench, right? And and yes. it, first off, you'd spot treat rather than try to treat everything, right? Yeah, in my opinion, I would spot treat unless... Unless, you know, if guys have chronic, if superintendents have chronic problem on every green or, you know, repeated problems over the years of, of several greens, then maybe treat those several greens. But uh, if starting to see it, like I was on a golf course last, last week in central PA, and there was three greens that started to have some early symptoms of fairy ring. And my advice was just like you said, just spot treat those areas, see what happens. It may be a one and done thing might be just some anomaly, but if you see these fairings showing up on all 18 greens over the year or the following this year, or next year, then, then think about a whole total program approach. But right now I like the spot treat and don't forget the aeration punching holes, watering. Don't forget to come back the next day or day or two later and water again. Don't be afraid to do that. Um, I, I don't think we can ever water in these materials too much. Uh, in fact, that's what you say is probably one of the reasons they fail oftentimes, right, Mike, is that we don't get enough water uh, when we apply. Can you talk about that for a little bit? I mean, I have a picture of the guy hand with hand watering with a tablet. To me, yes. that must be the gold standard to be really able to drench it in just the overheads. You got to run those things a lot longer than you want to probably to get that material down into yes. the root zone, right? Uh, yeah, uh, Frank, that's a good point. I, I like the, the tablets and just the spot treating because you get a lot of water, you get all that sort of that water movement, that volume of water that moves through there, breaks all that surface tension, especially right. with, and when you're using overhead irrigation, you know, irrigation, sometimes God say, well, I ran it three times, but well, that's <laughs> enough. You need, you know, a quarter in it. Sometimes I, they try to pin me on how much water do you need? Well, you need as much as you need, full score. <laughs> find out, try to see where the fairing is, is residing in the thatch, upper root zone, water to get through there. Could be a quarter inch, could be three, um, a th you know, three tenths of an inch. Um, some guys, maybe they don't want to water that much, maybe water a tenth of an inch or in the morning and then come back later, another tenth, another I mean, tenth. Lane, Lane Treadway has been water. looking at this, right? Lane yes. and his group down at NC State, not necessarily yeah, for fairy ring, but just trying to get material moved down. They've 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 put like a you know like an inch of water or three quarters of an inch of water and it barely moves an inch through yeah, the, the flash in the sand based up. root zone. Right. That's correct, uh, Frank. They, they've done uh, Jim Kearns' group uh, followed up with Oh uh, that's right. Jim Kearns. Sorry. I forgot. Yep, yeah, and uh, yeah they, they they did post application, post irrigation of the fungicides to really try to get that fungicide to move. The good news is fungicides aren't going to move much, right? They're not going right. to get uh, contaminated. They're, they're tied up. They're doing their job. But you need to really put a lot of water behind it to get it past that thatch into that root zone to get those, to get the fungicides, especially with summer patch and take all patch, get it down there where the root hairs are. And the same thing with fairing. Um, so don't be afraid to, it's a, it's a delicate dance, right? You got to, right. they don't want 
saturate the root zone. That's why I like punching holes, needle tying or coring to open up, get some air moving down there, get the water down there, get that fungicide down there, but more importantly, get the wetting agent down there. To, to, uh, okay, so I want to understand this thing a little bit yes. better. Now that we got yes. the control thing, everybody that was really interested in paying attention is, is got, yeah. they're all satisfied. Are we <laughs> seeing more fairy root? Why does it pop up and then go away sometimes? Um, yeah. Is yeah. it, a, our, our, as we started to dry our golf courses out, Mike, right? With firm and fast, right? Yes. Are fairy rings really a consequence of our persistent uh, fur, you know, uh, wanting fast and firm and also lower end and sandy soils? Um, yes. What can you say about why we're seeing maybe more fairy rings? Are we seeing more fairy rings than we used to? Maybe we're not using metal fungicides anymore. And right. so we're seeing it because of that. What are your thoughts on why these things oh. pop up sometimes? Oh, I, I I wrote, a, I wrote an article a few years ago for the green, greenskeepers over there in, in, in uh, Europe and uh, in the UK because they were seeing more and more fairing. So we studied this a little bit further. Basically, like you said, just drying down the root zone, uh, again, aimed toward firm and fast conditions, but also more maybe perhaps more conscious of water management. And, and we're, drying, we're drying the root zone down too much. When you get that lack of soil moisture, when, the, when there's adequate soil moisture, the fairing fungus, the basidiomycete grows thoroughly. It does its job. The mycelial, you know, vegetative part of that fungus, everybody's happy. <laughs> Dry down, it wants to go into reproductive life cycle. It starts scavenging water and nutrients. That's when you get the hydrophobic, hydrophobicity part coming in, the type one rings. So we, we can we can dry the soil down too much. We can go past that critical water content. Now you, you mentioned earlier in the slides, I, I appreciate showing those family slides. Um, I, I grew up on a mushroom farm. My father was a mushroom farmer. And on Easter Sunday, we visited my one cousin and, and she has a mushroom uh, business. And that's why she has all the mushroom figures in her kitchen. But we used to do that in the mushroom farm. We used to, we used to wet the compost beds and then dry them down, wet them and dry them down. And the more you dry them down, then the, mush, the mycelium would, would go into production and produce the fruiting body. So I think in a way that's what's happening uh, our golf courses. Uh, less nitrogen, so we're not masking the fairing symptoms. But I think it really comes down to the root zone, the soil moisture in the root zone. Um, that's where I think wetting agents helps at least mitigate those wet, dry extremes, and we can provide some uniformity, some uniform or consistency of moisture in the root zone. Are, and that'll mitigate the uh, appearance oh, of is, the fairing so, so this is brilliant. So what you're saying is, as we know, right, basidiomycetes are saprophytes, right? They're chomping on dead stuff primarily. They like organic right? matter and, and lignin, right. yep, yep. Right. right, all right, so they break them down, which we like, right, because it keeps yep. our lignins and thatch under control. But you're saying when they feel stress of some kind, like a drought, uh, dry period, they move you're into right. a reproductive phase. And to, when they do that, they start to scavenge the water and the nitrogen. And right. that's what visualizes itself. Are there some root zones or soils more prone to having basidiomycetes that will behave this way? Or are yeah, they everywhere and sometimes randomly it happens? We just don't know. Yeah, no, that, that's a great, that's a great insight, Frank. It's um, I think they're more prone on sandy soils. Uh, they happen on mineral soils, you know, clay and, and, and silt loams and de definitely on mineral soils, but on sandy soils, they're just more, more prevalent on sandy soils. Um, we see this in, in Scotland, England, and, and the Netherlands, and Northern Europe, um, we see in the United States, our, our 
in-base root zones are more prone to uh, perhaps more prone to, to drying out and more prone to these farrowing um, invasions or uh, farrowing loves to occupy those those um, sand-based soils. There's a lot of airspace in there for the mycelium to move through. And um, you're right, when, when things dry down, uh, and don't forget those sand-based sand root zones, um, the, the mycelium, the fungal mycelium could, you know, um, exude various, you know, sort of um, compounds that, that also contribute to hydrophobicity, local dry spotting and, and water repellency issues. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a challenge. There was a paper that came out a couple of years ago from, from an Italian scientist, University of Pisa, believe it or not, yeah. and they comparing fungi um, ecosystem engineers. And it makes sense as the mycelium is moving through the root zone and that it's trying to manipulate its environment to grow and get, get a ecological foothold. And, and, he, and you mentioned the, um, some of these fairing fungi can grow for miles. There's, there's the humongous fungus in northern Michigan, and there's one in, in the, um, uh, out in Washington State and Oregon that occupied you know, the forested areas that, that cover you know, uh, several, several miles worth of mycelial network. It's uh, pretty fascinating. <laughs> so so can I time. manage them with just wetting agents? If what you're telling me is yeah. that this is really about moisture, and, yep. you know, I'm, of course, probably worried more about this on, on greens with sandy stuff. Although I will say, yep. Joe's got, at, at Carr, right, Saratoga National, he's got, he's in a swamp. He's got swampy soils. Uh, okay. yep. And so over the years now, I think he, maybe he's put sand on them a couple of times. But in general, he's got uh, pretty swampy soils that he's been having these really big hydrophobic rings that have been starting to happen. Can I manage it with just wetting agents? Can, will the fungi just play nice or will it always lead? If hydrophobicity seems to be the big issue yeah. that really causes me trouble, can I just do it with wetting agents? I, I think wetting agents can help mitigate the, the uh, visual symptoms and not just wetting agents too. Um, think about a whole organic, man, organic matter management piece. There's a golf course near me uh, with a severe organic matter layer in, in the Kentucky bluegrass roughs, which they, they can't really do much about economically, whatever. And that's where we, all, we often see a lot of fairing showing up in the middle of the summer because it has a, such a thack, thick thatch and, and organic matter layer. But I think you can use wetting agents and cultural practices to, to mitigate the symptoms, to minimize symptoms. May, perhaps you'll still get some fairing, but it won't be as severe. Um, so if, if you're looking to, to, to you know, to use your fungicide budget, so to speak, diseases. I think you might be able to do that for the knockout blow the fungicide wetting agent combination, but then maintain a wetting agent program or a soil moisture management program to uh, to keep those fairing symptoms in check, or at least it won't be as severe. Uh, what I, I you know one of the things speaking of the environmental side of this, and then Carl, I'm happy to take some comments and questions, but but I will say the transition to you, Carl, is that. A lot of guys down south spray a lot of fungicides for this particular problem. When you get it in southern, yes. right, on in, in warm season turf, Mike, I got to yes. tell you, it's I've seen it on green season. They're basically become unplayable. Yeah, I think well, it got it, so it, much that it gets a foothold. You know, yeah, it gets a foothold. And is there something about warm season grass that's worse than cool season grass that it gets worse down there? Is it organic matter and sandy soils and drying out? I believe so. I think I, I know our buddy, uh, you remember Dr. John Cesar there in Southern Florida, he, he battles fairing from, from January to May in their sort of dry season. 
and it persists. Um, so you need that that wetting agent to kind of keep the moisture going, but also the fungicide's got to keep keep the basidiomycete at, at bay. Um, I think it's just, a, I think it's the environmental conditions saying, could be the Bermuda grass and organic matter that's a, you know, contributing. It could be a certain species down there that's just more aggressive. They get more of the lycoperdon, bovista, puffball types, uh -huh. something to do with it. But but I don't think um, years ago, you know, when many of the fungicide companies, they all have great products for fairing, came out with these fairing programs, there was a, some there was some uh, neg not negative feedback, but I got some comments. Wow, I made this application with the right soil temperature and fairing still came back. Well, you're not going to make one fungicide application and get season-long fairing. <laughs> the case. Um, it's a great start and it's a great to knock it back and keep it in check, but um, different species can appear throughout the summer, you know, so, so it's not one application and you're good for the whole season. You got to stick to the program if you're going to, if guys are going to try that. What do you that think, Carl? Yeah, the, the one thing, and, and Mike, you said it was important to figure out how far down that is. And, and, and we talk about using soil moisture meters, and I see a lot of people use kind of the, the one and a half or the three inch probes. Um, yes. Finding out how far down it is, does that require an actual soil probe, a physical soil probe, and you go in and kind of feel the, the wetting profile, how far down? And, yeah. and is, is that like important? To take a soil probe or soil profiler and, and see, a lot of times you, you could, you might actually actually visually see some mycelium in the thatch or you could do the smell test if it smells like mushrooms or sometimes you'll see the thatch or the upper root zone sort of breaking down and you'll you may see this orangey brown coloration these organic acids being being sort of leaked out from the fungus so so you, with, with some some observation you could definitely tell where that where that fungus is is is, uh, is residing and that'll help you know um guide you as far as how much water to, to apply Okay, what what about the old what about the old uh, Italian guy move? Like Dan Danelli said, his dad used to go to the good greens that didn't have fairy ring, take some of the soil from there and mix it in the bad greens that had fairy ring to see like uh you know like um you know like the fecal inoculation when you've got uh, really bad barrel you know. <laughs> Bowel syndrome, right? What What do you think about that old uh, method of mixing the soils? Is there something to be said for that competition, or is like you and I know, Dan, Dan, you and me are completely nuts? Yeah, <laughs> well, I know you get three Italians in a room. You know? <laughs> That's what I mean. There, there, there is something about those old kind of wives' tales or old Italian tales. I, I think what really helps is just mixing the soil, is mixing and so disrupting that mycelium. Um, and, and, and probably mixing the soil introduces some some aeration and there's physical properties, chemical properties, biological properties. There's a lot happening in the rhizosphere that we're just starting to learn about. Um, and so uh, you, I, I think you're, you're getting more benefit from physical mixing than anything else. Then, okay, go ahead, Carl, get us out of here. Thanks for joining us, oh, Mike. Shoot. Yeah, well, thank, thank thanks a bunch, Mike. Uh, a nice half an hour well spent there. Yeah, my, and my dog Rocky to... kept trying. Yeah, to and Rocky, our, our other uh, For those of you on the podcast, you're missing Rocky. You're missing Rocky. Th thanks, <laughs> everybody. And my for... mushroom collection. <laughs> and, and the mushroom pictures as well. You missed <laughs> mushrooms and Rocky. So um, thanks, everyone, for joining episode 11. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll have Rock Swan talk about uh, sports turf soils and, and some options there. So thanks, everybody, for joining. We'll, we'll see you next week. See you guys. See you, Mike. Thank thanks you. a lot, brother. This has been a production of Cornell University, on the web at cornell.edu.